Welcome to Locked On Flames. Coming up today, we wrap up our series preview of the Flames playing round against the Jets, hound out our winners and losers of the week that was, and we try and predict the ramifications of a loss or a win for the Flames in their series against Winnipeg. I'm Sean Lavery. I spent four years working in TSN Radio in Toronto at the center of the hockey universe, but now I'm back in Calgary to bring you all things Flames. Don't forget, folks, to subscribe and follow Locked On Flames for free wherever you get your podcast. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each day and folks you're going to be sure you want to subscribe because this is actually the last episode where we try and predict hockey going forward after today we're actually going to have real hockey to look back on analyze give our opinions about and go from there because the flames are just about 24 hours away depending on what time you're listening um, from playoff hockey again against the jets so it's exciting to have hockey back and to no longer have to you know try and predict but um, as I mentioned in our final segment, I will do a little bit more prediction and try and predict what the ramifications will be of a Flames win or Flames loss in their playing series against the Jets. Just wanted to start off by reminding you of our series predictions and also letting you know that uh, Jess Bomasto is on the short-term injured reserve, at least for today. Um, she'll definitely be back Monday to react to Game 1, but for today, it's just myself, so... Um, as I mentioned in our first crossover episode that we did with Harrison Lee of Locked On Jets, I think the Jets are going to win this series in four games. Now, Jess thinks it's going to be a little worse from a Calgary perspective. She thinks the Jets are going to sweep in three, and then Harrison of Locked On Jets think it's going to be the Jets in five. So, on the Locked On Podcast Network, at least in the Flames-Jets side of things, we all think the Jets are going to win. I was listening to Sportsnet 960, the fan here in Calgary this morning, their morning show, every all three members on their morning show pick the Jets. So if you want to look at that sample size of six people providing opinion, it's six people who all think they're gonna who all think the Jets are gonna win this series. And I mean it's tough to argue. And and I think the main point that a lot of people made um, is that the Flames haven't proven anything yet. They've talked a lot about wanting to squash all the playoff narratives that have been following them the last few years. And that's nice. I talked about this yesterday. It's nice to say those things, but you actually have to go out there and prove it. Now, tomorrow's their opportunity to do so. To be fair to them, they haven't had the opportunity to do so in about a year. But they have the chance tomorrow, and we just haven't seen it yet. So um, everyone's kind of been going on past evidence that we've seen from the Flames, especially when you look at the stars in Johnny Goudreau and Sean Monaghan and their weak playoff performances um, the last couple years. Another factor, I think, that contributes to a lot of people picking the Jets in this series. Now, to be fair, not everyone's picking the Jets. There have been plenty of experts around hockey media, um, many established, you know, totally respectable analysts and, and, and things like that picking the Flames. So it's not all doom and gloom, but at least in, in the short sample size that I'm looking at, it is a lot of people picking the Jets. Another big factor to that, I believe, is so much has to go right for Calgary, I think, to win this series. Let's just put the goaltending stuff aside for a bit, which is you know probably the largest factor in all of this. If you put that just to the side for a moment, think of what the Flames have to do to beat the Jets. Johnny Goudreau and Sean Monaghan would probably have to lead the way offensively, going up against probably the Vesna Trophy winner in Connor Hellebuck. There's a strong chance that guy's going to be the best goalie uh, of the regular season, and he's probably one of the best goalies in the NHL right now. So when you're going up against the best of the best at net, you're probably going to need your best offensive weapons in Goudreau and Monaghan to at least contribute a large portion of the offense. Now looking beyond that, if Goudreau and Monaghan are struggling at all, you're going to need 
the depth offensive players to contribute and beat a guy like Connor Hellebuck, which is no small task at all. So, you know, someone like Andrew Mangiapane is probably going to have a little bit more uh, weight on his shoulders than he otherwise would have going up against a guy like Connor Hellebuck. Uh, it just keeps going. Matthew Kachuk's going to have to play huge. Someone like Milan Lucic, especially, like this cannot be an off series for Milan Lucic. Uh, he has to play a big role in this series. So offensively, so much has to go right from the top to the bottom. Everyone has to play well to beat a guy like Connor Hellebuck. And then there's a goaltending decision. You know, you can pick Talbot or you can pick Riddick and you can make a strong case for picking either one of those guys. Um, But so much rides on that one decision. And then there's also the fact that, you know, we've all been talking about who are they going to pick? Is it going to be Talbot or is it going to be Riddick? Well, okay, let's say they pick Talbot. Okay, fine. That's cool. We're still probably going to see Riddick in this series. And that's not, you know, that's not a good thing to say is, you know, the Flames can make their goaltending choice and it's fine. Um, You know, there's a case to be made for that. But we're still probably going to see the other guy in this series, which is awful because it's a five game short series. And if let's say Talbot starts game one, but we see Riddick, you know, in game two or three or even four, if there is a four. Um, that means something probably went wrong for the Flames. And, you know, maybe um, either the Flames weren't playing well and Jeff Ward wants to give their team a boost by putting the other guy in net, or maybe the guy who was in net was struggling, so you don't just flip out the cold guy and try and um, ignite some fire with a hot guy in net. It's not good, you know, to have a 1A, 1A thing in the playoffs. Now, we have seen teams that have pulled it off, like, you know, the Capitals, Grubauer contributed to a first-round series win, and then Holtby kind of took the reins from there into rounds two, three, and four, um, and boom, you're Stanley Cup champions. I think things are a lot different with a best-of-five series. We talked about it so much in the past two weeks. The decision-making is highlighted and heightened, and it's got to be made a lot faster, too. You have so much less time, even though it's a best-of-five instead of a best-of-seven, so just two less games technically. It shouldn't be that much at all, just 120 minutes of hockey. It feels like a lot, and everything is going to be heightened. Now, on the Winnipeg side of things, we all know who's starting. It's Connor Hellebuck, obviously. The hurdle of Hellebuck, I think, is going to be a lot for the Flames, especially if things aren't going well early in Game 1. You know, there's just a mental challenge to facing a guy like Connor Hellebuck that it'll wear on you. Um, And especially if if this series does go long, you know, Sure, the Flames will have hope that they've. If the, if the series is going long, obviously the Flames have won a game or two, so they'll have evidence that they can obviously do it. But you know, it's just a mental grind to know that you're going up against the best of the best every single night. Assuming you know Hellebuck is at least playing like his average self, which his average self is is quite good. So there's a mental hurdle there, and obviously the on ice hurdle of actually trying to have to score against this guy. Um, I don't think it's going to be pretty to score against Hellebuck. You know. The Flames' first line, Monaghan, Goudreau, and Lindholm, if those guys are going to get points, I would have to imagine a lot of their points are going to be on the power play, um, where they can kind of get a little more pretty than they could five-on-five. So again, this is kind of where we go back to that first point of everything has to go right for the offense, for the Flames. You know, that second and that third line, and, you know, hell, even the fourth line. This is where someone like Matthew Gachuk or even Milan Lucic just get someone in front of Connor Hellebuck. Put a body in front of him. Let him not be able to see the puck clean. And then get those second and third opportunities. Because those are the kind of goals that the team is going to have to score against Hellebuck if they're going to want to put up multiple goals against this guy. They might be able to squeak one, you know, pretty passing play back door behind him every game. But, you know, you're not going to win uh, a best of five series by winning three one nothing games. You're going to have to put up multiple on this guy. And a way to do that would just be to play dirty. And I don't mean like play dirty by, you know, hurting someone or slashing someone, but like don't 
don't try and be pretty, which I think this Flames team, especially that first line, might be guilty of um, every now and then, which, you know, it's hard to blame them because they're so offensively talented with Lindholm and Monaghan and Goudreau that, you know, they have the talent to do it. But um, against a guy like Hellebuck, you know, I'm not sure how well it's going to work out. And then the Jets, you know, it's it's not a f- great matchup for the Flames, um, that's for sure. Uh the matchup game is going to be hard for them. The, the Jets have a lot of big bodies. It doesn't look like a physical roster on paper, um, but when you play the matchup game against the Flames, you know it's it's certainly not going to be an easy test at all. Um, and it's it's not the best draw that the Flames could have had in, I guess, round one to play in round. Um, there certainly were easier opponents out there that the Flames could have gone up against, but you know. The Jets are tough, and it just feels hard. Like, it feels like a lot is working against Calgary uh, for them to win this series. So, like I said, the three of us here at Locked on Jets and Locked on Flames, we all picked the Flames. The Sportsnet 960 morning show, which I just happened to have on this morning, all three individuals on their morning show, they all picked the Jets as well. So, in that small sample size of six people, everyone picked the Jets, and I just kind of laid out why. Now... When I say the Jets are going to win in four, that's just me trying to be correct. That's me trying to predict the series length the the exact correct way and trying to obviously pick the winner the right way. I don't necessarily mean when I say the Jets are going to win in four that the Flames are just going to be awful and it's going to be you know a replay of last year's first round where they were embarrassed against Colorado. I think there's a world, and I think this is probably the more likely scenario than an embarrassment. I think it's more likely the Flames actually play well um, but it's just too much to overcome in Connor Hellebuck and the mismatches um, offensively that, that the Flames kind of have against the Jets, especially in those first two lines. I've said all along, I think the Flames have a better forward group, just given you know the depth. If we look at the depth specifically, I like the Flames a little bit more than I like the Jets. Um, but I think when you look at the first two lines, it's a tough matchup, at, at the very least. It's a tough matchup. Um, so there you go. That's why I think a lot of people are picking the Jets. We could all be wrong. I think the Flames are going to play well, like I said, but um, the hurdle of Hellebuck, it's going to be a tough one to climb. So still to come, I'll tell you who won this week, who lost this week. It's our winners and losers of the week segment. We do this every Friday, so I will hand out my winners and losers next. Locked on Flames continues. We are 24 hours away from Flames playoff hockey, folks, and you don't want to forget to follow at LO underscore Flames. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast because this is our last episode where we have no hockey to talk about. Going forward, we'll have actual Flames hockey to talk about, and it will be exciting. You don't want to miss anything. So like I said, be sure to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Flames, and don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. So every Friday, we kind of end the week by looking back on the week that was. We hand out our winners, our losers, and we give a shout-out of the past seven days. Now, normally Jess would be able to contribute to here to this, contribute to this segment here, but like I mentioned, she's on the uh, short-term IR today, skipping out this Friday. So, just me today. My winner of the week. I'm going to start with the NHL taking a Black Lives Matter stance during the anthem in you know a couple unique ways. Um, I don't know if you remember previous episodes. I think it was last week. I was kind of talking about just you know remove politics from this, just the actual logistics of how the NHL might be able to pull off a Black Lives Matter. Um, you could call it a protest or a demonstration. You know, 
on a, on a traditional NHL ice during the anthem, it's just the five or six players that are going to be starting the game on the ice, and then everyone else on the, is on the bench. So I wasn't sure, you know, if someone wanted to take a knee, for example. You know, I, at the time I thought there would only be five guys that would be able to take a knee plus the goalie on either team. Um, what ended up happening is every player from every team that was playing in the exhibition game came on the ice at the same time, and, you know, they all had their own... Um, Black Lives Matter, you know, demonstrations and just reminders of, of such an important movement um, personally in, in the history of, you know, humankind and mankind. So um, the NHL, you know, at least in these exhibition games, they've nailed it. And I'm sure it's going to continue all throughout the playoffs. So uh, silly me for trying to put uh, silly logistical problems in the way from um, an important demonstration. And then also um, the Hockey Diversity Alliance. Akeem Alou is behind that. And he put out a video uh you know, Akeem Lu and several others are behind that, excuse me, but they put out a video where they had, you know, the stars of all stars in sports, like Patrick Mahomes, every superstar in the NHL, um, a guy like Marshawn Lynch, like these are people, especially in the U.S., who have a lot of pull and a lot of eyes on them at all times. Um, you know, someone like Sidney Crosby, you know, people know about him, but not everyone's watching Sidney Crosby at all times. Patrick Mahomes, for example, George Kittle from the 49ers, these are NFL superstars. They came out in support of the Hockey Diversity Alliance uh, with a nice little montage video, and, you know, that was awesome to see. So the winner of the week is the NHL and the players and individual teams, you know, nailing the Black Lives Matter um, stances. The loser of the week is the Flames goaltending in exhibition. The Flames had one 60-minute exhibition game against the Oilers, and that was their chance to, you know, hopefully get gather more evidence to contribute to a goaltending decision, whether it's Talbot or Riddick, and it was a flop. You know, we gained virtually nothing, I could say. Um, Justin, I mentioned that, you know, throughout summer training camp, it was kind of 50-50. Is it going to be Talbot? Is it going to be Riddick? Who knows? We'll probably find out more during the exhibition game. And that just didn't happen. It's Friday. It's, you know, 24 hours before game time. It's still 50-50, at least for us in the public, as to whether or not it's going to be Talbot or Riddick starting game one. I'm sure Jeff Ward knows who, who's it's going to be. Um, but the fact that nothing was really gained from that exhibition game against Edmonton in the goaltending department, that's my loser of the week. And you could probably even expand it to the fact that all the big questions we had in summer training camp weren't really answered in that exhibition game. So uh, looking specifically at my loser of the week, I'm going with that Flames goaltending situation in, in the exhibition game and nothing really being gained. We just kind of stayed in the same place. We didn't go backwards, which I guess is a good thing, but we didn't go forwards, which is definitely a bad thing. And then my shout out, it's the sports schedule, guys. Like everything is back. Baseball is back. NBA playoffs are just around the corner. The NHL playoffs are starting tomorrow. Looking at tomorrow specifically, we have five NHL quote-unquote playoff games I guess qualifying round games and they all staggered the start time so thank god the NHL has finally learned to stagger start times um, I remember every you know kind of Saturday in the regular season when you have a day off and you're just hanging out on the couch the start times are just bizarre in the NHL but they finally figured it out we have uh, looking on the eastern time zone a 12 o'clock game a three o'clock game four o'clock game an eight and a 10 30 game obviously the flames being that 10 30 game we can watch every game virtually at the same time. So it's, or sorry, not at the same time, but we can watch every game and have our full attention on it and not be flipping too much back and forth. Um, so thank God the NHL has finally figured out 
their scheduling and to stagger starts, and especially in the playoffs where you know you're going to want to not miss a single thing. So um, with the staggered starts, you have that ability not to miss a single thing. So there you go. There's our winners and losers of the week, plus the shout-out to the NHL sports schedule. Still ahead in today's show, I'm going to take a peek into the crystal ball and tell you what the ramifications will be of a Flames loss and a Flames win in their play-in series against the Jets. Locked on Flames continues. I'm your host, Sean Lavery. A reminder to check out our episodes from earlier this week, specifically Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, when we did a three-part series crossover with Harrison Lee of Locked on Jets to preview the Flames and Jets playing round. Now, looking at this round, we've kind of obviously talked a lot about what may happen on the ice, but um, we haven't talked too much about what's going to happen after this series and what happens if the Flames lose or if the Flames win. So, you know, this is just kind of me trying to predict what may happen, what the big ramifications may be of a win or a loss for the Flames. Now, let's start on the positive, I guess. We'll start with the win. If the Flames win this series, it doesn't sound that great because they're technically just advancing to the first round. So you can make the argument that they're not out of the woods yet if you want it to be technical about things. You know, the Flames could win this playing series against Winnipeg, go on to the first round and play, you know, whoever they're going to be playing in the first round and lose that one. And you can pull out the technicality of, well, the Flames still lost in the first round and they haven't made it past the first round in a long time. You know, so it's it's kind of a silly technicality. I don't think the narrative is going to play that way if the Flames win. Um, but, you know, it's, it'll be a big thing to beat the Jets, um, but there is that technicality of, hey, well, you're still just in the first round now. You still have to win the first round, um, so you're not out quite out of the woods yet. I think another positive thing that'll come out of a Flames series win against the Jets, I think the Goudreau and Monaghan narrative will be done. will be done for this year. Um, if the Flames beat the Jets, you know, it's hard for me to see a world where Goudreau and Monaghan, let's say, combined for only you know two assists in a in a series win against the Jets. I don't think that world is technically you know really possible. Um, I don't think the Flames can win this series if that's the case. So if the Flames win, the Goudreau and Monaghan narrative is done for this year, um, and they'll be proven playoff performers and over the course of a full round, even though it is only just a best of five. Another thing that's going to happen if the Flames win this series is they won't have a defined starting goalie yet still, which you know. It's, it's not a great position to be in, but um, if the Flames win this series, I think it's still going to be up in the air if Talbot or Riddick is your guy going forward. Um, the Flames, let's say Talbot starts game one, and the Flames make quick work of the Jets, and they win in three or four, and Talbot starts every game. You know, if Talbot does struggle in the first round, in the first couple games, it's going to be very easy for Jeff Ward to make the switch from Talbot to Riddick. Um, it's not a situation like the Jets have, where if Hellebuck struggles, I don't think we're going to see Laurent Brassois come to net anytime soon. So um, if the Flames win this series, it's a bit of a negative, but the goaltending situation I don't think is going to be defined for the rest of the playoffs. I think the 1A, 1B thing with Talbot and Riddick is going to be a very fluid situation regardless of how far the Flames go into the playoffs, which um, might not be the best formula for a Stanley Cup win, uh, but we have seen stranger things. So those are some of the, the narratives that I think are going to come out of a Flames series win. Now, if the Flames lose this series, it's going to be a whole lot of the same. It's going to be the same old Flames can't get it done in the playoffs. Um, there might be, you know, Johnny Gaudreau might play well. He might put up a couple goals, but if the Flames still lose... You know, it's it's can he lead a team over the hump and over the edge? Um, so it's the same old storyline. The Flames can't get it done in the playoffs. Even more, you know, playoff frustration. We'll have more of these quotes from guys like Kachuk and Lucic about, you know, 
we're frustrated. We want to win. We want to prove ourselves. And it'll just be a, it'll be another year of the same old, same old flames, which, um, you know, won't be the most exciting thing to talk about. It'd be great to have a series win and, and something positive, and we can kind of move on to new narratives and new storylines. Uh, but another thing that might happen if the Flames lose, you know, there's a little bit, I would say, you know, a, a little bit of smoke around the Johnny Goudreau situation and his future with the Flames. Um, I think if the Flames lose, and especially if Johnny Goudreau continues with poor playoff performances, that smoke around his future in Calgary, I think it might just continue to build and, you know, possibilities of trades um, might be thrown out a lot more on Twitter and on Reddit and everything like that. So a Flames loss, it'll be the same old, same old, more frustration and maybe just a little more smoke around Johnny Goudreau. Now, the Jeff Ward thing as interim head coach of the Flames is interesting. I'm not convinced that his future with the team is dependent on the result of this play-in series. Um, I think it is possible he could win this series and then the Flames lose in the actual first round um, and Jeff Ward isn't brought back. But I could also see a situation where the Flames lose against the Jets and Jeff Ward is still brought back. It, it seems much like the goaltending situation. It actually seems quite to be 50-50. Um, so I don't really know what's going to happen with Jeff Ward, win or loss against the Jets. Um, but we'll just have to see and, and only time will tell. And, you know, Tree Living hasn't really given us uh, any clues as the general manager. But, you know, there is a world, I think, where the Flames win the series and Ward's brought back or they win the series and he's not brought back brought back and then same thing if the flames were to lose this series now another thing that you know is going to happen regardless of a win or a loss i'm not sure if the flames are going to have their franchise number one goalie um come from this playoff regardless of if they win obviously if they lose it's they're not going to have their starting number one goalie but even if they win this series i don't you know see a world where the flames are going to have you know riddick's the bona fide number one for the future for the next handful of years or talbot is the bona fide number one um, it's still going to be a 1A, 1B situation in Calgary. And, and, you know, the franchise is still on the hunt for their first bona fide starting goaltender since Mika Kiprasov. Like, there hasn't been a guy in Calgary since Kiprasov that has really just taken the reins and has been able to play the whole regular season without any questions. Um, it's been a long time. And it's, you know, the Flyers have been that franchise for a long time. Now they finally have Carter Hart, who looks like he's going to be the guy for the next you know, hopefully decade or so for the Flyers fans. Um, but the Flames are on that search, and it kind of feels like the Flames have evolved into the next Flyers. Like, everyone's going to, and everyone around the NHL is going to look at, you know, well, it's trade deadline. Who needs a goalie? Well, the Flames need a goalie like they do every year, or it's free agency. Who needs a goalie? The Flames do. Like, you know, maybe Dustin Wolf is that guy. They have young prospects down the pipeline. But, you know, goaltending's a, a long and slow grind. So, um, regardless of a win or a loss, I think. You know, the search for a number one goalie is probably still going to continue. Now, I would say there is a small chance, you know, if Riddick is chosen as game one starter, um, if he goes lights out and maybe does like Jordan Bennington did last year, where Bennington in one playoff run just established himself as the Blues goalie of the future. You know, it was so long Jake Allen, now it's Jordan Bennington's time. I guess there's a small chance that could happen for Riddick, uh, but that again is dependent on A, does Ward even choose him as the game one starter, and B, does Riddick actually play to that level, which is a lot to ask from David Riddick. Um, so it's a tough situation. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure Jeff Ward is, has been sweating a lot recently. You know, it, it almost feels like a lot of his future with the team kind of rides on this one goaltending decision. Um, not to any fault of his own, but if he chooses the guy that just happens to not play very well, regardless of if it's Talbot or Riddick, who knows what his future looks like in Calgary. Like I said, I'm sure there's a chance he could be brought back even if the Flames lose to the Jets, but... 
man, like it's it's been a while since I think we've seen this in the NHL where one coaching future is so reliant upon one decision. Like it seems like Ward's future is so much tied to who he picks to start game one. And I think it's just a matter of, you know, does he like kind of the veteran presence of Cam Talbot? Does the veteran get the benefit of the doubt, especially when Talbot has had such a strong 2020 calendar year after January 1st um, prior to the pause? Or does he like, you know, kind of the the younger side and I guess the more risky side of Riddick, who was definitely the Flames MVP in the first half of the season? Um, but that was that was a long time ago. Like, you know, it, it was such a long time ago and we've had more than a whole offseason technically um, in between that with the four months off due to the pandemic. So, you know, Jeff Ward does have a lot riding on that one decision. It's it's not a position I envy necessarily. Um, but I think, you know, he's got a decent chance of picking the right guy because I think Riddick or Talbot could hopefully, um, you know, either guy is capable of proving him right. Regardless of who he chooses, either guy, I think, can prove him right. So coming up next week, Justin and I will have an actual hockey game to talk about. We'll bring you full reaction and analysis of Game 1 between the Flames and Jets. And we'll get you ready for Game 2 as well. It's happening, folks. Hockey is back. You can follow us on Twitter. Jess is at Jessica Belmosto. I'm at Sean underscore Lavery. Be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now for on your favorite podcast app. And you'll get the latest episode of Locked on Flames as soon as it's available each and every day. Don't forget to subscribe and listen to Locked on Jets with Harrison Lee. As the Flames and Jets series progresses, you'll want the opponent's perspective to everything. So Harrison will have you all covered there. Everyone, have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. Enjoy having something to watch and having emotion tied into a sporting event that actually matters. Uh, It's going to be exciting. It's going to be different. It'll be a nice distraction, hopefully, for everyone. Um, So enjoy the Flames game. Hopefully, uh, you all get a positive result in that game. Enjoy your weekend as well, and we will chat with you on Monday.